Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to a brand new DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you're all doing well and thank you as always for being here. It's great to have you along and I have certainly missed you guys. I hope that you've missed me but I am back after a couple of weeks out uh, enjoying a nice well-deserved break it must be said but of course we were in good hands in the meantime. Uh, Luke was doing a great job standing in for me and I know that We had a few technical issues on some of the streams and of course the audio listeners as well wouldn't have been able to get the content that they would have needed on their favourite podcasting platforms. I can only apologise for that but Luke certainly did a good job. He did his absolute best and I certainly thank him a lot for his help. And Of course he will be back on the show in the future as a guest but in the meantime if you do want to check out more from him he does have his own show the 1892 reds podcast a liverpool football club based podcast so if that's your thing if you like liverpool or like football definitely go check that out we'll leave a link in the description but as i said i am back and we are back to preview the brazilian grand prix and of course joining me on the panel tonight we have lee wanneton and courtney pine lads we've got the band back together in full swing for the final few races of the f1 season courtney i'm going to come to you after feeling so refreshed and happy to see you all how are you doing mate i'm doing great uh just got one thing to say a uh, big congratulations to yourself and helena on your engagement I wish you both a long and happy life together. Sorry I don't want to embarrass you, but I've just wanted to put it out there. <laughs> no, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, a very memorable trip for us. And I'm sure many, pl- well, plenty more to come, of course. But thank you very much. But of course, you know, how are you doing, mate? All good? Who, me? Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> so, I mean, all good here. It's completely awkward (laughs) silence continues but uh Um, yes yeah i'm all good sorry i was asleep there i don't know what happened uh uh, yeah i'm all good Uh, um but i do obviously a congratulations for you for you both and obviously a big thank you for luke for the assistance in the last weeks where you were off a honey boot honey booting honey boating yeah honey boating around on your trip that's uh how dare you that's really all i can say (laughs) <laughs> well you know all of us deserve a break every now and then but of course I did miss doing this show and I was keeping an eye on how things were getting on and of course keeping an eye on the Formula One because plenty has been going on uh, in the interim of course we had the US Grand Prix we had the 
last minute disqualifications post-race and then of course we had everything that went down at the Mexican Grand Prix as well which brings us nicely over to the Brazilian Grand Prix and ultimately it's our final sprint race this season so I want to get your thoughts guys because there's been a lot of toing and froming a lot of positive and negative feedback over some of the changes that have been made with sprint races and sprint races in general this season so seeing as we're coming up to our final sprint race of this season often at the Brazilian Grand Prix the race that everybody seems to enjoy a bit more than others in terms of sprint races what are we've made of sprint races in 2023 are we for them or are we still having reservations about them uh Lee let's come to you first uh I'm personally still against them uh, I think um, the Circuit of the Americas highlighted a flaw with the current regulations and how setup restrictions impact the weekend. Yes, the teams have to make the correct decision and obviously shouldn't be yet to, to, to have a car on the grid that is illegal. But obviously, they don't send it out illegal. That's through the race. That's because they don't have enough data to commit the correct setup. Um, so it does raise the question on how they manage part Fermi. Um, and I think that needs to be reviewed going forward because a lot of questions were asked that weekend about how many cars were actually potentially um, illegal at the end of the race because of 50, more than 50% failed. So that does ask raise a big question regarding um, that whole spring weekend. Um, for me, the racing, it's, it still doesn't bring much to the weekend for me. Qualifying has been really amazing and we've had some really fantastic races this season and neither of them have been sprint, so, um, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I can't help but feel that the sprint races this season haven't really added much value to the weekend at all. I know this is something that we've said for a while, but it does feel like F1 are going to push sprint races through as much as they can or try any crazy formats to try and make this work. And I'll be honest with you guys, I'm of the opinion that this season, the sprint races, the format change that they've had with sprint qualifying and also the fact that the sprint races themselves have no bearing on the grid for Sunday in a bid to try and isolate them and make them a separate thing this weekend, I think it's kind of taken it a step back rather than improved it. So it's something to review. I can't exactly say I've remembered much of the sprint races this season. I think the only sprint race I can remember fondly was the the Azerbaijan one, and that's just because Charles Leclerc was starting on pole position, and that's about it. And I know he never, and I know he never kept it either. So uh, I can't really say much else than that. Courtney, your thoughts on sprint races? I know that you weren't a big fan of them in general, but um, what have you made of the twenty twenty three sprint races? Yeah, I was I was just slowly but surely starting to warm to uh, to them. But what I find really interesting actually um, was the reaction from uh, both. Christian Orner and um, Max Verstappen about the sprint race format and obviously the disqualifications of Lewis and Charles Leclerc. Now, historically, we know that Christian Orner in particular would have got great joy out of seeing Mercedes falter. But the fact that even Christian Orner and Max Verstappen have been saying that the sprint race format actually makes it difficult for teams to get their cars set up correctly... I think that speaks volumes because, as I said, like Christian Horner and Max Verstappen easily could have jumped on the bandwagon about Lewis being disqualified, but actually they used it as an opportunity to criticise the sprint race format. So I think that really does say a lot about how the teams really feel about the the sprint race format. Yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, yes, it's simply put, if there wasn't a sprint race at Texas, not that I think Texas really needs a sprint race, quite frankly, 
then it's plausible to believe that you know Hamilton and Leclerc wouldn't have worn their planks down to such a degree over the weekend where they would have been disqualified from the race. Now, of course, many people listening to this will just come back at us and say, well, you know, that they shouldn't have run their cars so low to the ground. And they're absolutely right. You know, that has to be a factor too. But it does, the important point that you've made, Corny, is that it does have an impact on how teams prepare their cars for the weekend and also the lack of information that is available to them to prepare their cars properly this weekend. I mean, we're going to get onto this a little bit later on, but we obviously never saw the real Daniel Ricciardo turn up at Austin because he had so little time after his injury um, to, you know, get back into the swing of things and drive the car at full tilt. And then fast forward to Mexico, it was almost like the the real Daniel Ricciardo returned because he had a bit more experience under his belt and he was a bit more comfortable with the car again. And he was able to show us what he can really do. We never got to see that in Austin. So, you know, you, you can factor all these things in and maybe it sounds like we're just moaning about, oh, you know, the teams haven't got enough time to optimise their setups. Only that surely has to be a good thing. But I feel like this season it's kind of been more of a detriment to the racing rather than a positive or adding chaos. I don't think we've really seen enough of the chaos to really justify doing that. So it's going to be interesting to see what F1's reflection of the sprint races are going forward this season. I mean, for all we know, this weekend we could have another sprint race like what we saw a couple of years ago when Hamilton went from the back of the grid to P5 or whatever it was, something like that. So that may completely you know, throw everything to the wayside of what we said and, and F1 may use that as a justification for a good sprint race. Um, I guess Qatar, the sprint race where Piastri won, will probably be a highlight because of what it was. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what F1 have to say. Uh, as I said, or as always, guys, let us know your thoughts in the comments on these sprint races. Do you think they've been good in 2023? Have you liked the changes? Is there anything you would like to change? I know reverse grids have been brought up again and again. Drivers have repeatedly said that they wouldn't mind having reverse sprint races just to try something a bit different or a bit more fun. But um, in the modern world of F1, perhaps something like what Max Verstappen has been saying, where the cars need to be a bit better at racing each other rather than just changing the format is probably the way to go. I certainly advocate for that, but let me know your thoughts in that one, guys. Um, we're going to move this one swiftly along rather than focusing too much on the sprint races because, of course, there are plenty of stories doing the rounds heading into this weekend's Grand Prix, one of which is the future of the number two driver at Red Bull. Currently, that's Sergio Perez. However, lately, there have been a lot of stories going around, not only saying that Perez is... Uh, seat is under threat for 2025 it could very realistically become a threat in 2024 and I think we saw following the Mexican Grand Prix probably more than at any other point this season where there's a serious contender for that seat in Daniel Ricciardo now you know rewind six months ago Daniel Ricciardo wasn't even driving in Formula One Nick DeVries was in the AlphaTauri seat Ricciardo comes in nobody really looked at that seriously as if Ricardo was going to potentially be taking Perez's seat in 2024. It always seemed like it was going to be something that was going to happen in 2025, if at all. As it stands, after Ricardo's injury, which did set him back a little bit, he put together arguably one of the best performances of any driver this season at the Mexican Grand Prix. Not only out-qualifying Perez to finish in P4, out-qualifying him in every single session that weekend, but also putting a stellar job together to deliver a P7 in that race, which catapulted Alpha Tauri ahead of Alfa Romeo in the Constructors' Championship, which is absolutely mega. So much money is on the line just for that one 
finish on its own from Ricardo. And all of a sudden, the opinion seems to be right now that Ricardo is showing the skill set, even if we can't see it. But Red Bull certainly seem more keen to the idea of perhaps having Ricardo in that seat ahead of Perez for 2024. Now, Lee, I'm going to put this to you for your thoughts on this. Is it as simple right now as saying that it's likely that Ricardo will be in that seat in 2024? Is it as simple as saying Ricardo is doing enough? Or is it a fact that Perez is simply not delivering enough to justify staying in that seat for 2024? Well, firstly, I want to also add that Daniel did also outscore Sergio uh, last time out. So that, that he did a brilliant weekend and he outscored Sergio. <laughs> Because it's such a crash, but I still want to add that uh, point. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. I mean, easy. I mean, first you want to finish, you've got to finish. Yeah, um, pretty much. But yeah. <laughs> but to, to answer your question, um, I think a part of the equation is Sergio's recent performance. That has um, he's lost, started to lose the faith from the team, which through the season has been like, we'll help Sergio refine his form. We'll get the balance right. We'll sort out his gremlins. We'll get back now. The discussions, or the rumor mill, I should say, modern discussion is Daniel. And that's obviously a concern for Sergio. But I think another concern is the uptick in team's performance. Obviously, at the beginning of the season, Red Bull were miles ahead from anyone. And the closest change was Aston Martin. Aston Martin has been swamped by Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren. And they're getting closer in terms of performance for Red Bull. And that's a concern for Red Bull that there's going to be a closer fight for the championship next year. And they need to have a reliable driver that can be there with Max B. Max is strategic rear gunner be there with for when something goes wrong with Max. Not that much goes wrong, but having that driver there to recover it if something does go wrong. And we're not having Max leading the race and Sergio being P10 because there's a, two McLarens, two Mercedes and two Ferraris and maybe another car in front of him. They're going to lose constructors, which is obviously the key goal um, for any of the teams. Um, so I think that's a big element. And because Sergio's now losing the faith, um, from the team, Daniel is coming a bigger and bigger part. And I think it's a, just all those different cogs in motion is really going to affect um, Sergio more than Daniel's brilliant performance, which is obviously, I'm not taking anything away from it. It was a great drive he did last time out. I mean, what do you make of that, Courtney? Because Lee's made a good point there that rather than it just being about what Daniel was doing, it does seem to be this opinion of who's going to be in that seat next season and how it's shifting does tend to have been affected by Perez's performance. Is it as simple as Ricardo's performance, like that one-off performance being an outlier for what's to come? Or is it a case of Red Bull just being fed up with Perez continuously underperforming and in dramatic fashion crashing out at his home race when a 1-2 could have been on the cards? Yeah, look, it's something, it's a drum that we've been beating quite a lot this season. Um, the fact that, look, Red Bull clearly have the best car this season. Um and the fact that Sergio Perez is at risk of uh, losing second place to a driver from another team that is far behind them on raw pace, uh, it, it speaks volumes. Um, Sergio simply hasn't been doing well enough. And I think his body language in Mexico, look, we, we know it was his, his home race, so he felt extra pressure to perform. But I think it's become publicly obvious that Sergio Perez's seat is at risk. And the fact that Dan Ricciardo's... Like, let's throw in the fact that Dan Ricciardo was, was injured. He missed three races with a wrist injury. I think it was his hand or his wrist. He's come back and he's out-qualified and beaten Sergio Perez in an AlphaTauri. Like, the, those points I've just made there are damning. It doesn't matter if you're Max Verstappen's teammate. We know how good Max Verstappen is. But the fact that you're finishing behind teams that are in 
weaker cards than you nine times out of ten, it's simply not good enough for a team like Red Bull. And exactly what Lee said, if most of our hopes come true and the likes of Ferrari, McLaren and Mercedes are close next season, they'll find themselves losing even more points to said teams if Sergio Perez is in the team. Because if he's struggling in this Red Bull, and it's as good as it is now, how is he going to perform when the gap to the other teams is smaller? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Christian Horn has been approached for word on this and he said, look, Perez has a contract for 2024, which we have the intention of honouring. Intention being the key word there, because that implies that, you know, it's something they want to do, perhaps, but not necessarily what they're going to do. And you look at what's been going on at the moment. We have to kind of take a step back and look at this for what it is right now, because Ricardo, even though after what happened in Mexico, there does seem to be the opinion right now that he is clearly the best candidate within the Red Bull uh, program to take that seat if it becomes available to Red Bull. But at the same time, it's just one performance. And it's very easy for us to get carried away by this and say, oh, look what Daniel did in qualifying. It was amazing. He got a P7 as well. He's clearly faster than Yuki Tsunoda, for example. Look what um, Nick DeVry did in Monza last year. Well, There's this is adjustment it. of your Yeah, argument. this is the thing because... You know, people have been saying, oh, we shouldn't judge this with just one performance. Like, But Dr. Helmut Marko did the same thing with Nick DeVries. He got an F1 drive, or albeit for half a season, based off the back of one performance in a situation where Red Bull were desperate to fill a seat. So, I don't, me personally, I, I don't necessarily feel that Red Bull will be quick to jump the gun here and say, oh, wow, you know, based off Mexico alone, this is an incredible performance. Here, Daniel, here's the contract sign. You're going to be Max Verstappen's teammate in 2024. That being said, I think there is more evidence here that Red Bull have to make this decision that we are not privy to because they're working with Daniel day in, day out. This has been a process where they have been working with him a lot to build up his confidence, build up his speed and get him to the point where this is now a realistic possibility. But this has also been coupled by how poorly Perez has been performing. And I think this is the most important factor here because not to go too long with this, and I want to get your thoughts on this in a moment, guys. Um, this point I'm about to make here, but I can't help but feel that Red Bull are looking at this situation with Perez, and this is purely, in my opinion, being driven more so by what Perez is not doing versus what Ricardo is doing. Even if Ricardo has similar performances towards the end of the season, you're still taking a risk on putting him in that car alongside Max. But what you end up here is with a situation where Perez has demonstrated this season that as this Red Bull has progressed on and on and on and will continue to do so, and, and it's the dominant car in F1 right now by some margin, Perez is, is nowhere near close to trying to finish on the podium on a regular basis or even be anywhere near his teammate. If the assumption is correct based on the ATR regs and the cost cap and everything else that comes with it, the assumption will be that the other teams should be closer to Red Bull next season. May not happen. Red Bull may stretch their advantage even further. But let's assume that they, they do close the gap enough to become a factor in races week by week. Is Perez going to get any closer? By virtue of what we've seen, theoretically, he shouldn't be any closer. If anything, he should be further down the pecking order. And that's where the concern is. And I can't help but feel that Red Bull are aware of this. And they may be starting to think, you know what? We might take a risk here with Ricardo, whether this works or backfires on us. But one thing we do know is that if we stick with Perez, it's more likely to be worse next year than to be better. What are your thoughts? Um, I just want to make a, another point based on what you said there. 
I if you look at how Red Bull, because I think when you look at Sergio Perez's performances, a lot has been said that the car is developed to um, suit Max's driving style, which is understandable. Max is the best driver in the world right now. And if you're looking at the two drivers we've just been talking about, tell me if I'm wrong, but don't you think that Dan Ricciardo has much more of a similar driving style compared to uh, to Max, uh, compared to... Sergio Perez. So, if you're looking at direction of development that Red Bull want to go in, if they have a driver that has a similar driving style to Max, it's actually going to suit the team a lot more. I mean, that's based off what we saw with Max um, a couple of years ago when they were teammates, and, and I don't think that's a that that's an invalid point. I think that's a very good point, actually. Um, from what I've been hearing, Daniel's driving style is very similar to what he was doing at McLaren when he was struggling, and. That's not necessarily, you know, because Daniel was trying to adjust to the McLaren car, but it just never really worked for him. He just didn't have that natural feel around these issues that Lando Norris does, for example. But what Daniel was doing in this Alpha Tauri and what he's, what Red Bull were trying to ingrain back into him is a style that he's much more comfortable with and something that allows him to excel. And we're seeing this in the Alpha Tauri. I just think... This is something we would have seen more from Daniel if he hadn't have gotten injured. This was something he was trialing in Zanfort. We never really saw the final product of it because he got injured in that uh, um, during practice at the time. So we never got to see how that panned out. But I think Mexico was a great outlier with a bit of experience behind him following the first race back in Austin. He's now demonstrating that. And I wouldn't be surprised maybe not him finishing as high up as he had, as he had done in Mexico in the remaining races, but I certainly feel... We're going to see Daniel up there more often than not, or at least closer to that than Yuki Tsunoda, for example. And I think that if he can do that, I think Red Bull are going to be in a position where they may have to have a serious discussion over whether or not to put him in that car. And and you're right, Corny, I think he'll be more suited to it next year than what Perez will be, for example. And ultimately, that's what Red Bull want. Red Bull want a Bottas. You know, yeah. they, they want that perfect number two wingman. And, and I don't mean this is disrespect to Valtteri, but it is what it is. Uh, he was the perfect number two for Lewis. He beat him around 30, 25% of the time in qualifying. He won the odd race. He was competitive. But ultimately, when Lewis faltered, whether it be his own mistake or mechanically, Valtteri was there to pick up the pieces. Perez is never there anymore to be even close to picking up the pieces. I mean, look at Singapore. They had a poor weekend. Signs wins, um, you know, or in Qatar where Max has a grid penalty or something like that, you know, Piastri wins. Perez is nowhere near that. So Red Bull need that driver to be in that position to pick up the pieces and support Max, especially if the championship is going to be tighter next season. And we certainly hope that it will. But Red Bull need that guy. Ricardo could be that guy. I just don't think Perez will ever be that guy anymore. Yeah, as much as I... Uh, love Sergio and uh, thoroughly enjoyed his time in Formula One. I don't think he's that guy for Red Bull anymore. He he was he's all part of the t- world of the team when he joined, but I think for a while now the Max machine has uh, run his course. And as we've seen with other teammates, it's knocked Sergio's confidence and his ability. Not so much taking away his ability, but when you start losing your confidence, you start losing lap time. You don't understand the car, so you lose more lap time. So you try even harder, so you lose more lap time. And I think it's just um, it's the, it's the end for Sergio, unfortunately, as much as I, I thoroughly do support him and enjoy him in the sport. Yeah, I mean, what could save Perez is if he finishes Peter in the Drivers' Championship. But the way the form book is going right now, 
I could very easily see Hamilton finishing ahead of him. And if he does, then that's obviously going to be a big problem for him for his Red Bull future. Uh, but let us know your thoughts, guys. If you were at Red Bull now, would you take Ricardo to replace Perez next year? Or would you continue with Sergio Perez? Let me know in the comments. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, the next thing I want to talk about briefly, uh, there's some rumours that have been going on in the paddock. Now, a lot of people have been using this as an opportunity to try and get some clout on social media. I won't name names, but people have been teasing this idea uh, that there's a big rumour going around. They won't disclose the details, but there seems to be a few in particular that it seems to be focusing on. And in particular, we've got Fernando Alonso and Aston Martin. Now, how did we get to this situation? Well, in 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 the case of Fernando Alonso, uh, the F1 journalist Albert Fabrega uh, put out a tweet saying, uh, No me quiero creer el rumor que me han dicho ahora en el paddock. No. Now, Lee, I know you'll understand what that means as well as I do, but for those of you that don't speak Spanish... I'll um, basically translate that roughly for you, what the English version that was. And he said, I don't want to believe the rumour that they had told me now in the paddock, um, pretty much that, um, that you wrote, um, obviously the English version of the tweet you wrote. And that was basically to align to a potential story regarding Fernando Alonso. That's what the rumour seems to be, that Fernando Alonso could either be retiring from Aston Martin at the end of the season because he's not convinced by the project going forward and he's had enough, or that he might be in the frame for a Red Bull seat. Now, the reason why I say Red Bull is because the Spanish Red Bull page put up the emoji saying, shh, like that, for those of you that can't see me on the audio platforms, the shushing emoji, and it's almost implying that there's a connection there. Now, from what I understand, and it's and it's not really too much, to be honest, I don't see a scenario where Red Bull are seriously entertaining the prospect of having Fernando Alonso in their car. Purely and simply because, I mean, as much as the fans would love to see it, yeah. it would be absolutely mm-hmm. crazy. I don't think Red Bull are quite keen to do what the fans want them to do in that regard. I think they're much more keen on having someone like Ricardo or Perez in their car next season, for example. And on top of all of that, Honda certainly wouldn't want Fernando Alonso in a Red Bull next season, even though I don't know how much say Honda would have, given that it's now a Red Bull Ford, even though it's a Honda power unit. We all know that. Um, but the other rumour, of course, was regarding Aston Martin and that Lawrence Stroll, uh, the owner, is potentially selling up some shares in Aston Martin Lagonda because he wants to move the project on or he wants to sell it to um, other consortiums elsewhere. So a lot to unpack from all there, but I'll start with the Fernando Alonso rumours, guys. Um, what do you guys make of them, if that is indeed the rumour that is being talked about in the paddock uh, more than anything else? And... Uh, yeah, let me know your thoughts. Would you like to see um, Fernando in the red ball alongside Max? I, I would love the rumour to be true. Um, that I should say clarify the rumour. I would love the rumour that he's going to red ball to be true, not that he's retiring. <laughs> I don't <laughs> want, I'd, I'd rather him stay in the sport. I think Formula 1 is stronger with him being in the sport because uh, he's still delivering um, his performance in the car, although the car isn't quite there as it was earlier in the season. Um 
I still think he's got that hunger um, to obviously win another championship. But going there, I mean, it would destabilize Red Bull massively, the Fernando effect, which would maybe be fun to watch from an outside scene, uh, Max um, Fernando implosion. But from a competitive na- nature, I mean, that'd be such so great racing between the two of them. You know, that would be in a season to remember if uh, Max versus Fernando um, for a championship in the same car. I really would love to see that because we, unfortunately, I don't think that will happen. Um, but the, it's all over the Spanish media, um, the rumours that Fernando's going to Red Bull. Um, so it's, I think it's more wishful thinking more than uh, anything else. But mm, I'd love to be proven wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, plenty of wishful thinking, of course. Um, I can't help but feel, you know, you get the um, Lewis versus Fernando vibes from the 07 McLaren days and you know, what a crazy season that was indeed. And imagine the chaos that would ensue with Verstappen, an established three-time world champion, the top dog in Formula One with Fernando Alonso doing every bit he can, scratching, fighting and clawing back to try and relive the glory days as we often wish that he could. But um, realistically, yeah, I'm with you, Lee. I, I don't understand where this has come from. I think it's just we haven't had much of a silly season, so we've got to throw something in the air that sounds absolutely ridiculous. And uh, all you've got to do is throw Fernando Alonso in the mix and you've got chaos potentially there, uh, as fun as that would be to see. Courtney, w- what are your thoughts? I'm sure you wouldn't mind seeing a bit of Fernando at the Red Bull. Oh, it would be great, but I'm just going to put it out there. I think this story is a bit of agent talk. Uh, we see it happen a lot in football uh, when a player is negotiating a new contract or is wanting terms that suit him. The agent will put out uh, rumours to the media linking in with moves to other teams. Um, so I think this is exactly what's going on. I think the inst- instability at Aston Martin is clear to see. We we know that Fernando Alonso won't be happy with what's going on or t- the trajectory that the team's heading in. So I think in terms of him to get some reassurances that the team is going to be invested in properly, I think he's effectively threatening to leave via um, putting out rumours um, through the media. So yeah, that's that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, there were rumours going around that Fernando was potentially threatening to quit at the end of the season and retire for for good because he's unimpressed by the lack of progress Aston Martin have made from the start of the season. And, and as the season's gone on, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And I'm not sure if I believe those rumours to be true because this is a guy who signed a two plus one year deal to join him at the start of this season. He saw the progress that they had made over the winter break. Obviously, it's been hard for them to sustain that progress, mind you. But this is still a project that I think has legs to it. And I think it'd be naive of Fernando to just throw in the towel so easily. I just couldn't imagine him doing it in, in this manner. I think he'd at least give it the old college try, if you like. Yeah, so, uh, I, th- yeah. I, think the, I, th- I think his age comes into play here. It's not like he's 25. I just think he wants that one last shot at potentially winning a world championship. So he might be he might act more rash than usual just because of his age. Yeah, but I I could see him trying to get into that Red Bull seat, whether it was realistic or not, I don't know. Maybe put the feelers out to see what was possible. Um, But at the same time, if Fernando was to leave Aston Martin, where's he going to go? Realistically speaking, there isn't really anywhere to go. So I'm not sure he would quit. I think Fernando would probably just see out the rest of his contract. And if things don't improve before 2026, then maybe he calls it a day then. But... um, I, I'm not convinced either of those particular rumours are true. I am, however, more convinced that there is the potential truth in Lawrence Stroll potentially selling up his 
Aston Martin shares uh, to another consortium and moving on. I think that could be realistic. Um, and, and obviously what that would mean for his son, Lance, who has had a, a dismal season after coming back from an injury at the start of the season. And unknown to us that that would be the peak of his season when he performed so well in Bahrain under the circumstances. But since then, it, it's been a nightmare for him. And if his father does sell shares in that team, I can't see why Aston Martin would keep him on either. Yeah, um, I I do think that's more likely. Even if he doesn't sell his entire stake, I think he may be sharing a, a part of his stake, but that may make him longer the majority shareholder if even if he share, sells a part of his stake, which may be an easy way out of effectively firing his son. Um, I've got I've got to sell some of my shares to invest in the team because we need the money. Uh, sorry, Lawrence. Um, I'm no longer the majority shareholder, so they want to get rid of you. Not my fault. <laughs> Need it for the team. Um, I think it may be a, an easy way to get rid of the underperforming uh, driver, which happens to be his son in this instance. And also recouping some of the financial losses is a business investment in it as well. Yeah, I, I, I personally think that um, Lawrence Stroll was banking on the 2022 regulations to really push um, Aston Martin up to the front. And I think what we've seen happen since 2022 is actually the old guard are still ahead. So you're looking at what? Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari. And then people going, oh, but you've seen McLaren come up. But McLaren are the, one of the most successful teams in Formula 1 history. And we know they've always had the resources. They just didn't have the right personnel to challenge for championships. And now we're seeing, the, as I said, the old guard now battling each other for championships. I've some, I, I feel that Lawrence Stoll feels that it was a missed opportunity and now he wants out. I, I could be wrong, but it just seems that that's the way that we're heading. Yeah, it could very much be. And um, I mean, it would be a surprise because this is a guy that I, I didn't get the impression that would throw in the towel so quickly. I'm convinced that he still sees this as a long-term project. And I'm also convinced that he still sees his 2026 being the most realistic early opportunity for Aston Martin to try and be successful here so it surprised me that those rumors were going around but maybe there's a bit more to it that we don't know of maybe he feels like as Lee mentioned this is the best opportunity to perhaps recoup some financial losses and and money that he's invested in the team obviously the value in the team is going to be significantly higher than it was when he took over um, so maybe maybe this is the best time to cash in. I'm not sure. But if it does happen, it will have huge ramifications for his son Lance and his, and his future within F1 and with the team. So we'll have to wait and see how that goes down. But uh, let me know your thoughts, guys, in the comments. Uh, would you like to see Fernando Alonso in the Red Bull? And uh, if Lawrence Stroll was to sell the Aston Martin team onwards, do you think Lance would still be in that seat? Let me know. We're going to get to this part of the show now that we often do at the end of our preview is the predictions uh, phase of the show and and if you're new to the show of course don't forget to like and subscribe if you are following us on YouTube and part of the predictions are we have a set category of different predictions that we like to give uh, and try to do the best that we can in being accurate and so far this season I can't really say that I've been very good at this but we still try nonetheless. It's all in good fun. So uh, let me know your predictions to the categories as well below in the comment section if you wish to play along. And the first category that we are going to do is the best surprise. Now, this goes to what we consider to be the best surprise this weekend. The good surprise, of course. Um, so, Lee, who is going to be your best surprise this weekend? 
uh, for me is going to be Esteban Ocon. Um, I think the he always performs well around here. Uh, I think the Alpine is going to perform relatively well at the layout of the circuit and obviously the changes of the circuit. And uh, I just think it's going to be a really good showing from Esteban this weekend. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Uh, Courtney, what's your best surprise this weekend? Uh, it, it, it's a biggie. Um, I, I actually... Uh, when Luke was doing the Mexico review, I actually put it in the comments. It's, it's quite a bold one. But I think that Lando Norris is going to get his first win. Oh, we're going bold already by the sounds of I it. I can't wait for your bold prediction, Courtney, if that's just a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> He's got an even bigger one coming. Um, no, that, no, that's, fair that's enough. it. That, 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 is a, that is a two-in-one jobby. Yeah, two-in-one jobby. I like it. Um, okay, I... My best surprise, I think, is going to be Lewis Hamilton. Um, I think his form has been very, very good. I know people say, oh, well, you know, he got DQ'd in Austin. But to be fair to Lewis, you know, that, that, that the team's made a misjudgment there on, you know, the ride height and obviously, you know, stuff of the plan. We'll talk about the sprint race as well to get DQ'd. But his driving has been very, very good last couple of races. And I think what we're seeing once again, is that typical thing with Sir Lewis Hamilton where he is able to find that level that very few are able to match in Formula One. And I don't think George Russell is necessarily driving badly by comparison. I just think he's not able to reach those heights at this point in time in his career that Lewis is, for example. I mean, the stint he puts together in Mexico after the red flag, putting on the mediums when everyone thought that was a silly idea, was phenomenal. I mean, he's probably still doing laps around the Mexican circuit now on those mediums, and they still probably haven't dropped off. I mean, you said before recordingly, after that long, was it 30-odd lap stint, keeping P2, keeping uh, the Delta to Leclerc pretty much um, at a good distance, and he still put together the fastest lap at the very end of the race, just to show I've still got some life in these tyres. It's just phenomenal stuff at the moment, and for me, I think Lewis is going to put together something quite special this weekend. I'm not quite sure what that will be, um, I think it might be maybe a sprint win or a pole position. Um, I still think Max is going to have the edge in the race because it's, it's Max Verstappen at the moment. It's what he does. But I think this is going to be a big weekend for Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, I, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. He's definitely got the form book at the moment and he's performing quite well. He's he, right At this part of the season, he's probably in the top three best performing drivers um, right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would argue to say probably, yeah, probably up there definitely top three at the moment um we don't need to worry about get, putting an order together because no. that probably brings up more <laughs> <No>. controversy <laughs> in the comment section than not um but let's go to the flop of the weekend now in the next category and this is usually reserved for the driver that we think is going to absolutely flop this weekend so courtney let's come to you first on this one who is going to be your flop this weekend I'm wondering if we're, you know, the way we've been saying Max to win every race and we all say the same thing. I'm wondering if we're all going to say the same here. So I'm going to say Lance Stroll. Do you know what? For a minute there, I thought you were going to say Max Verstappen. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) It's like, how bold are we going, mate? Like, wow. But um, yeah, Lance Stroll. um, Yeah, I, I can't really disagree, to be honest, with that one. I will probably go one further and probably say Kevin Magnussen is going to have a tough weekend, which is annoying because it's been a year since he got that pole position for Hastinney in those. Was yeah. it a year ago they did that? Yeah, it was yeah. Um, yeah. 
So uh, maybe I'm playing with fire here, but I, I just feel that Haas are just going down and down and down. And I think they've dropped now to P10 in the constructors. Yeah. They have. So, uh, and, they, and they've been talking about having issues with getting their correlation right to develop in the 24 car. It just seems to be a tough time for them. And I think K-Mag, yeah, he could have a tough weekend. So uh, I'm going to go with him, unfortunately. Uh, Lee, what about you? Uh, I'm going to go really uh, out there and see Sergio. Ooh. Sergio Perez. I mean, if if you'd have said this at the Mexico preview, you'd have been spot on, like crashing yeah. out after lap one in its home race. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, do you want to elaborate on that or, or do um, you want to go for the evidence? No, the, I, I think right now it's it's not great to be Sergio um, right now. There's a lot of pressure on him externally. There's a lot of pressure internally. There's the well-performing Daniel. The, as we were talking about earlier, there's the prospect of next season, and I, th- uh, I think that if right now it's just getting Sergio, and I think he's he's now just going to be a bit of a spiral to the end of the season. And I think it started last weekend, and I think it's going to carry on this weekend. Oh, fair enough. Um, pole position now, uh, so we're not going to worry about the sprint pole, the sprint race winner. But um, who's f- starting on pole position for the main race on Sunday? Uh, I'm going to go, as I said already, I, I'm going to go with Lewis Hamilton. I think he's gonna. He loves it in Brazil. It's one of his favourite circuits, and they absolutely love him there. They've adopted him like it's like it's a second home, and uh, I think it's really going to spur him on with the form he's been showing. And he's very quick in Brazil. So yeah, I'm going to go with Hamilton. Yeah, I'm going to say Lewis as well. Um, you, you know, he, he is in form at the moment, and over the last couple of seasons, um, uh, Interlagos has been a bit of a an, an off circuit for Red Bull. So. Judging, you know, how the car has been performing this season, um, you know, done well on most circuits, didn't do well with Singapore. So I'm just wondering if Red Bull are going to have uh, an, another iffy weekend. Yeah, maybe. We'll have to wait and see. Um, we weren't expecting it in Singapore, but uh, it happened and it might happen again in Brazil. Uh, Lee, who's on pole position for you this weekend? i got to admit, I wasn't expecting it, but we're going to get a trifecta of three Lewis Hamiltons. Oh, wow. Hey. <laughs> Well, there we go. There's this our first non Max. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, the comment section going to be like, yeah. I thought it was going to be Lance Stroll being the flop, but it was a, it was a pole position. Isn't it? <laughs> funny how life works out, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny that um, the comment section is going to be rife now with people saying, oh, great. The first race where they're all back together. It's the Lewis Hamilton fan <laughs> podcast again. So, uh, what, what can you do, eh? Um, okay. I mean, I've got a shirt that says otherwise, but hey ho. Yeah. Um, so, race winner. Do we dare be bold? Courtney, yeah, I'm going to come um, to you first on this one. Yep, Lando Norris. Lee? Uh, this is my double whammy. Um, oh, my prediction okay. of Lewis Hamilton to win. Ooh. Wow. That is uh, very bold indeed. I am going to go very bold and say Max Verstappen. No, I'm not. It's not bold. It's, I'm going to go Max Verstappen, though, to be to make this interesting. Um, I'm going to pick the, the favourite. Of course, and uh, if you're the well, yeah, there's no more I can say on that. Max Verstappen to win um, the podium this weekend. Um, I'm going to start with this one. I'm just going to fill it with all of our three drivers that we've nominated for the victory and go with uh, Verstappen, Hamilton, and, and Norris, the, the three best drivers, three fastest drivers currently in the sport right now. Um, Courtney, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to say Lando, Lewis, then Max. And Lee, are you completing the trifecta? Max and Lando. 
Ah, there we go. So we've got all those three on the podium just in different orders. Interesting. Best of the rest. So this best finisher that isn't in a Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes. I'm going to allow Aston Martin because I feel like mm-hmm. they've dropped far down enough now to no longer be in the top echelons of the grid. Um, so just for those that are interested, that doesn't mean I'm going to pick Fernando Alonso ever. I am going to pick... Uh, I'm going to pick... Alex Albon. I got a funny feeling that that Williams is going to be very, and it was very poor in Mexico. We can't get away from that. And it might struggle a little bit in the middle sector, but Alex does often go well at Brazil and he's got a car underneath him that is going to be very rapid in that DRS zone on the back straight. We know how often opportunities can be made to overtake at that part of the circuit. So yeah, I'm going to say Alex Albon to be the best of the rest. I'm going to say Danny Ricciardo. I think he's been in yeah. a... Yeah, again, he's been a, he's been a comeback. He's been in great form. The Honey Badger is hungry for another go in that Red Bull. So I think, yeah, he's, he's going he's gonna to be top draw once again. Uh, I, I would agree with you, though, Adam, and say Alex. Oh. Um, the best of the rest. Yes, I like it. I like it. I was worried you were going to say Ricciardo there. Although I wouldn't have been disappointed, to be fair, because I think that's a probably... A pretty good shout. Um, okay, so that leaves us with our bold prediction. So, Courtney, uh, just to clarify what your bold prediction is, because I feel like we need to for the benefit of the audience yeah. um, that may have not guessed already, but what is your bold prediction? Yeah, once again, I think Lando Norris is going to get his first win. Um, I think it's been a long time coming. Um, I, I feel that if you have a look at his pace in Mexico, obviously... He had a bad Saturday, which actually really hampered um, his race. And it has been really interesting to know how far up the grid he would have been if he had started higher up. And look, Piastri had his turn at winning a sprint race. Um, and I said as well, I think, I think Red Bull won't be quiet at that, that peak that they're usually at. And I think someone else is going to pick up the pieces. Sergio Perez certainly won't be there. So, yeah, I think it's, I think, I think it's going to be Lando's time to shine. It's been a long time coming. The guy deserves a race win. And what about you, Lee? My bold prediction was Lewis Hamilton to win. win. Not fair enough. Um, what's my bold prediction going to be? Um, I don't want to say Lewis Hamilton on pole because I feel like that's kind of a cop out almost. And given that you've said Lewis is going to win, Lee, it's kind of a bit underwhelming for a bold prediction. So I'm going to go uh, try and be a bit bolder and say that um, Alpha Tauri gets both drivers in the points. I think Snowden will also finish in the top ten as well. That's very bold. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's that bold because we've all put Ricardo like in our top seven or eight. So it's only logical you'd think. I mean, the thing is like, it's very easy for us to look at um, what happened in Mexico, all fall in love with Danny Rick as we often like to do, even at the worst of times, um, not just on this show, but in F1 in general. But we often neglect the job that Yuki Tsunoda has done this season. And he's been very good in AlphaTauri. I think it's just been overshadowed because we've all wanted Ricardo to show us what he can really do and and do what he does in Mexico on a regular basis. But Tsunoda only finished like, you know, P12. I know he was quite a distance off in the end. And obviously strategy played a part in all of that to really hamper his race. Did he have an accident as well? Yeah, he did. He did have an accident, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it really didn't help him. Um... So I just, I don't know. I just think Sonoda's still showing pace there. And I think if it weren't for that accident and the other issues, he may have finished in the points in Mexico. 
So for me, I think, yeah, double points finished for Alvatari. They seem to have found some form at the right time. And um, and Sonoda was quite, was he, well, I'm trying to think where he finished in the US race as well. Just trying to uh, remember off the top of my head, because I think he was up there as well. Um, da, da, da. Yeah, he, he finished like, because he, didn't he finish like, um, he was PA, wasn't he, after Hamilton and Leclerc got disqualified, yeah. didn't he? So yeah, so Sonoda's still quite quick. Um, it's easy for us to forget, as I said already, you know, he's played a big part in AlphaTauri being in P8 in the constructors right now. So I don't see no reason why he can't finish in the points either alongside with Danny Rick. So I'm going to go bold and say both AlphaTauri's to score points. Um, so there we go. I think that's all we've got time for in this one, guys. As I said, let me know in the comments what your predictions are for this weekend's race. Uh, and obviously your thoughts on some of the other topics that we discovered as well. As always, we ask you to like the video, subscribe to the channel if you are new. And if you listen to us on your favourite pod platform, again, apologies for the lack of content in the last few weeks. Some technical issues prevented us from getting stuff out, but normal service is resumed. So if you enjoy what we do, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out a lot and gets the show out to more many wonderful F1 fans like yourself. But until then, guys, that's all we've got time for. So thanks for tuning in. Please stay safe as always. And we'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. And if, and well, all that's left to say is, uh, <laughs> almost <laughs> forgot my own catchphrase at the end. But remember, as always, if you're not first, you're probably DNF1. Take care. Podcast Network.